Just before we get started, the Second Act Podcast would like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on Treaty 7 land inhabited by the Blackfoot Nations. This includes the Siksika, Pikani, and Kainai. We would also like to acknowledge the Sutsina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, as well as the Métis Nations and all people who make their home on Treaty 7 land in southern Alberta. But now that we've paid respects to people that were here before us, let's start the pod. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Second Act Podcast, and today's guest is Gas, you could say. It was a lot of fun to have Gene Principe on the, the podcast, that's for sure. I uh, reached out to him in the middle of the summer, kind of expecting him to ignore my request. Uh, got back to me right away. We recorded it kind of in, in a couple of days, and he talks about what goes into a life of being a sports journalist, an anchor, a, a, a game host. Uh, 20 years, 20 plus years, he's been doing it with the Oilers. And I mean, if anyone who knows Gene Principe, um, you know, you're, you're just getting a, a real entertaining, uh, exciting, lots of fun, honest uh, look into what, what goes into that life. And this was truly like, I'd, I'd say a dream pod for, especially a family like ours, who's kind of been diehard Oilers fans for as long as I can remember, 15 years of life, always cheered for the Oilers. And I'm sure it's expanded longer before I was born. So to finally meet the man that's I've listened to talk about all these players for years, it's a really cool pod to listen to. And it's just, it's kind of a awakening experience with how widespread this pod is kind of becoming that we have Gene Principe from the Edmonton Oilers on our podcast. Yeah, no doubt. It was a lot. Uh, it was really cool. Um, the fun part for me was I put his email address in and uh, he's the third Roger Sportsnet email address after Kelly Rudy and Scott Oak. So uh, we're getting to talk to a lot of really cool people who have really cool stories, and there's a little bit more to them than what you see on TV. And I think that's the part you gotta you gotta take away from these these chats. But without any further ado, I don't think you and I can uh, can drag this out any further. But uh, you know the drill, Gene Principe. Hey Gordon, no, no problem. My, uh, my pleasure. Uh, summertime is a good time to uh, catch up and spend some time talking about uh, past winters and uh, future ones. Winters, winters coming, I think, is uh, always the most important winter to an Oilers fan. With Connor and Leon in the dressing room, because uh, so far to this point, we winters past haven't bore the fruit that we'd hoped. Yeah, like getting close, right? But uh, there's, uh, you know, uh, it. it in the world, if you're the third best or fourth best plumber or electrician or teacher or um, a window installer, uh, there's, you know, sportscaster, uh, chances are you, you're, you're doing pretty well and, and things are good and, and you don't have many complaints. But uh, if you're the third or fourth best team in the NHL or fifth best, that doesn't cut it when you're Connor and Leon. So they are close. Uh, very close, and as Ken Holland uh, said to me, and and maybe has said to others, uh, we get to the hump. Uh, now we got to figure out how to get over it, or through it, or around it, so that they can get to the conference final, or more importantly, then push forward to a cup final appearance and a Stanley Cup. So I I think all of us would agree, whether you're an Oilers fan or not, Gord, they're very close. It just is hard to determine how close, and and that's a a moving line. Uh, if you're running a marathon and you want to do it in four hours, 
and you do it in four hours and five minutes, you know you're five minutes away. It's it's clear cut. But if you're trying to win the Stanley Cup, the line keeps moving every year. So that's uh, important for Edmonton to figure out where the line is, how they cross it, and get to the other side. Yeah, and I think that's part of uh, part of the allure of sports, right? Is is the no defined finish line except for that goal, right? And and there's so much. Um, happening in the background. There's so many moving parts. The other teams are getting better too, right? Everybody's trying their best and they're all pretty darn good at this uh, this sport. Yeah, I agree, Gord. It's it's not a, a, a pushover trophy to win and things change on a yearly basis. Uh, your opponent one year may not be your opponent next year. I think we were all bracing for a Colorado-Edmonton conference final or a meeting somewhere in the playoffs. It never happened. So Next year, we'll, we'll look to see how Edmonton wants to tackle their division rival and, and cup champion Vegas, but we don't know if that will be the challenge or, or who will be and what that specific challenge will look like. So it, it, it does make it interesting. Uh, it's, what do we always say? You know, it, it looks like a, a, a lopsided match on paper, but then then you have to get out on the ice or, or the field or the diamond and play. So it's ultra exciting. I think to know that Edmonton is in it and so close. So it's not a one-off where you go, Oh my gosh, they had their chance kind of like 2006 and didn't win. I believe that Edmonton for the next three to five years should be a lock to be at least a first or second round winner opponent. Can they get to the third? Can they get to the fourth? I think that's what remains to be figured out. Absolutely. And that's the best part of it. But, but we, we didn't call you on here today to, uh, to talk about the Oilers. um, Although that's obviously what, what uh, all Oilers fans are passionate about, especially um, on the August long weekend time uh, when we're having this chat, that's, you know, uh, expectations are high and and everybody can see a clear path to uh to lord stanley we wanted to talk a little bit about the man kind of behind the telecast the guy who's been synonymous with those Sportsnet oilers telecasts now for so many years uh, most people can't even hardly remember when you were to part of it and we want to know a little bit about um gene's story and and what you do to to maintain uh that profile is such a big part of of the oilers organization well, yeah, it'll be 25 years uh, this uh, this fall that I will have been hosting uh, Edmonton Oilers games. So you're right. Uh, you basically, anybody, let's say 35 and under approximately, because you might not remember who the host was at five or six or seven years old, but let's say 35 and under, they may have only seen me or or familiar with me just because of uh, the time that I've spent doing the job since 1998. I'm, I'm just a North side kid, grew up with Italian immigrant parents, one a seamstress who made drapes and one a carpenter who built buildings, uh, including my own buildings where I live and uh, have one sister and grew up just loving sports. To be honest with you, it was, uh, it was a passion of mine as a kid. We we played a lot of sports. I would say I was the best at, at soccer, being a kid of Italian heritage, uh, but not good enough to to make it. 
And so I was about 15 or 16 years old, trying out for the provincial team in Alberta for soccer and got cut and went, you know what? You might need a plan B here because I'm not sure this pro soccer thing is going to work out. And so plan B was to be a broadcaster. I figured if I couldn't be a pro athlete, uh, second best would be to cover pro athletes. And I, and I think going along the way, uh, sometimes I'm watching soccer with my wife and I'll say, did you hear that? She goes, no, no, I don't even listen to the announcers. I'm so in tune with the game. But I was really always enamored with the announcers uh, as well as the athletes of, of whatever sport I was, I was watching on TV. So I, I think that's why I, I fell in love not only with sports, but with those that called the sports, uh, whatever it might be. And I think that's um, part of, of as, as we've kind of the, the spectacle around televised sports has become more uh, prominent with, you know, it's one of the only things that tape delay doesn't really work for. So the ad space is, is, is worth more money. So they're, the people are really putting their best foot forward when it comes to these, te- uh, the, the broadcasts of these sports and, and to be a part of one as prominent as the Edmonton Oilers one in Canada for 25 years, I think that speaks to how interested you were in it, how much time and effort you put into your craft and, and ultimately just how good at it you are. But, but you weren't always that guy. What you, it, you know, I know you went to Nate and took your journalism. What, what really was the tipping point that you said, this was something I'm going to do. This is, this is what I want to give a try at. You know, I remember, uh, God bless him, Don Whitman, who for 30 years called the Grey Cups and uh, for just as long was on Hockey Night Canada. And I'll never forget being at a playoff game. Uh, we used to sneak, we used to sneak in, um, we'd, we'd buy one ticket and then someone would, we couldn't, we couldn't afford two. And uh, so we would, we would get one guy in and then he, he might find his way to an exit and maybe open that door and maybe we would go in. Uh, not necessarily guilt-free, but uh, we, we just would get into some games. And I don't recommend that nowadays, especially with the security. I'm not sure you could do it. Uh, but uh, And we didn't do it a lot, but we did it once in a while on a special occasion because the Oilers were in the midst of winning those five cups in seven years. And I remember watching Don Whitman walk downstairs from the catwalk at uh, the Coliseum then, which has had various names and now is the former building of the Oilers. And I watched him walk down. I would have been 17. And I looked at him and I recognized who he was. And I, I saw him with, uh, for some of your younger viewers, they won't remember, but some of your uh, older listeners will, uh, that powder blue Hockey Night in Canada jacket. And I looked at it and I went said to my friend, I go, one day I want to wear one of those. Now, I never got the chance to wear one uh, because those went out of style or went out of the wardrobe uh, idea of Hockey Night in Canada and CBC at that time. But I was able to finally get on Hockey Night in Canada uh, when Sportsnet Rogers took over the national rights of the NHL. And uh, yeah, I I remember it well. In fact, it was a Saturday night in Edmonton. Unfortunately, Chicago beat Edmonton 7-1. But uh, I I think I kind of realized at that point that I had made it to at least a, a spot that I wanted to get to. And so that's, uh, you know, you hear athletes talk about, you know, Zach Hyman meeting Gordy Howe and Gordy Howe giving him advice about, you know, doing your best, trying your hardest all the time and you can make it. And 
that's life advice, right, Gord? That's not just advice for a for a, an athlete. That's advice for someone who wants to be whatever they want to be in their life, a lawyer, a psychologist, uh, a pharmacist, a doctor. So uh, we all have points in our careers um, as youth that you kind of look to as uh, a moment that you grasp onto. And I think that was that was one for me that certainly sticks out. Yeah, and it's interesting that you go back to those uh, baby blues because I think I'm 45, so I'm I remember remember them well, and um, they were like a, a I don't know a status symbol, I guess, because there was so few. Yeah. It's not like now where every every team has their you know their little broadcast hosts, and it's it's like there's a small team within the bigger Sportsnet family. Back then, there was one game a week on Hockey Night in Canada, and and you know I still. I think I think if I remember correctly, the infamous Dave Hodge video um, yeah. of Hockey Night in Canada, he's he's wearing the the baby blues. I th- I think I can't remember. You're it's right. Yeah, 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 for it. sure. When he when they didn't go to a game that he wanted to go to and uh, flipped the pencil and uh, yeah. and out of that came Ron McLean. And I still find myself. I just covered the uh, the Stanley Cup final in Vegas and. Uh, you know, sitting around with people like Elliot Friedman, who who's similar to me in age, a little younger, uh, and and I've known Elliot, oh, probably twenty five, pushing thirty years, and then you got future guys like Kyle Bukaskis. Uh, Kyle is a uh, shining light in broadcasting, wonderful host. Uh, well, he's already. I was going to say he's got he has a bright future. <laughs> His future is bright already, but getting brighter. And then sitting with Ron McLean, I grew up watching uh, Ron and and taping intermission segments on the coach's corner when I worked in Lethbridge and I was 25 years old. And I actually went out on Saturday nights and I want to tape it so I could watch it either that night when I got home late or or the next day. So for sure, it it, it it's amazing where broadcasting was where it is now and now you know we all have our separate suits and uh, different ties and shirts and 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 it looks it looks wonderful but for sure then uh when you saw that baby blue jacket you knew right away what you were watching and and who you were watching and and what was on the way once a week unlike now where you can watch hockey seven nights uh, a week and not just one game but sometimes uh multiple games so that's great great for the viewers but it's certainly made for something special i remember when i was a kid and my mom would go shop on saturdays it was once a week she would go grocery shopping and she would buy i don't know if you remember those little hot rod um sort of jerky uh beef uh, that we would eat or she'd buy a bag of uh, tacos nachos and it was like you kind of had to make that last all week because she wasn't going back and uh, so for sure uh Less was something that made you really appreciate what you were getting. Uh, now we have more, and that's okay too, because I think that's the way society is. I'm not sure we could sit and wait for once a week to watch a hockey game. Oh, there's a zero percent chance that um, that we would be able to do that. Just you know, I mean, think of something like the NFL Red Zone, like you know, 25 years ago, um, the thought of just flipping to a channel just to watch the important plays and not having to suffer through the, the other parts of it uh, was unheard of. And now there's people that only watch football in that manner. It's, you know, it's just a, a statement of what our society's, you know, and I say this 
I'm not like an old man shaking my fist at the clouds. It's just, uh, it's what our society's become where we've yeah, used to yeah, being able to see sure. things when we want to see them. Right. Yeah. I've got three. I remember we, when, uh, it was interesting, uh, when we got the national rights and we went for a seminar, uh, to Toronto. So that would have been, uh, around 2015, I think it was about 2015, 2016. And I, I remember, um, one of our, I guess, moderators talked about how televisions are, are becoming the second screen and how phones, uh, laptops, iPads, uh, all, all the devices we have were, were like becoming the first screen. And I was like, ah, oh, I don't know about that. And I, I swear, I came home and it seemed like my kids were, I walked in the door and they were all on their phones. And I thought, well, maybe this guy is on something, you know? Uh, so it, it, it certainly has changed the, the growth. And uh, we used to joke sometimes when I would do something for the internet. And uh, let's say you weren't 100% sharp or maybe you slurred a word or something like that. You'd say, oh, it's just for the internet, you know? Yeah. And you're thinking, well, no, it's not just for the internet anymore. So um, yeah, times have changed. The world has, has changed. But I, I think that when it comes to live events, for sure, People have access now in places where, right, if you weren't by your TV, uh, you couldn't watch a hockey game. That was it. Where now you can be in Thailand or Australia and, and uh, you can stream it, and watch it. So that, that's all great, right? That's, that's wonderful. We don't realize how, how closed in and how uh, limited we were. And now it seems limitless, which is the way it should be. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You, you mentioned... Um working in Lethbridge and, and I made this mistake. Uh, I had, um, fellow Edmonton born, uh, sportscaster Natasha Stanishevsky on the pod. Yeah. And I, I made a comment about all the hot spots she worked at, um, prior to, to joining TSN. And she was, she was pretty careful. She was like, I, what, which spots are you talking about? Because she didn't <laughs> want the negative connotation, um, yeah. to, to any of the places. And so I'm going to ask you about, some of the spots, uh, you know, you said you worked in Lethbridge. I know you you were in GP. You you went got to yeah. uh, Winnipeg, which is where you met your wife, uh, before coming back to Edmonton and kind of taking over that dream job. What what were some of the things you took from from those um, shorter stays and maybe some uh, smaller centers than than Edmonton that you took with you as you moved on? That eventually, when you got to to your dream job, you were able to build off those blocks to to become the host that you are. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, Gord, that it's kind of like, look, there's some guys, gals that, that are Connor McDavid, like, and they shoot right to a, a network job quite quickly and have all the talent in the world. And I, I wasn't that guy, you know, I, I had to, uh, I, I compared it to really to be in, uh, whether it be a hockey player, but I think almost a baseball player where you're, you know, rookie ball, then single A, then double A, then triple A with the hopes you're going to make it to the major leagues. And I, I, I did work in Grand Prairie. I spent time in Kamloops. I was in Lethbridge. I was in Winnipeg. I was in Toronto. And then I came to Edmonton. So it, it was a wonderful experience along the way. Uh, at the time, it seemed like just a work experience because you were only in those centers because of work. You were applying for jobs, getting a job, going to that job, working at that job, and then graduating to the next step in your evolution as a as a broadcaster but it was really life experience uh 
yes, I did meet my wife in, in Winnipeg and we recently celebrated 26 years together, three kids, uh, young adults now. And so there's a lot to be said along the way, but what got me there and left me there and then moved me to the next spot was broadcasting. And I remember being a Grand Prairie and, and being a cameraman and a reporter uh, I remember in Kamloops being, uh, you know, uh, a news anchor, a sports anchor, a radio commentator, a television reporter. It was wonderful experience uh, going to Winnipeg. That was my first real, actually Lethbridge was 1990 was when I got my first sports job. So it took me three years, uh, to get a sports job. I remember covering city council and, uh, you know, going, okay, I know I don't want to do this for a long time, uh, even though my wife's now <laughs> a city councillor. So, uh, but I, I just realized that sports is what I wanted to do. Uh, covering news, I, re I, I remember uh, when I was in Grand Prairie, uh, Willie DeWitt, who was uh, a well-known Canadian boxer. Uh, there was a plane crash that, uh, that killed his father. And uh, I remember being sent out to kind of stake out his home and shoot video and see if there were any interviews available. And I remember going, I don't want to do this for a living. This does not turn my crank, uh, being, um, around people at their lowest point, uh, was not something. And I understood the assignment. I, I, I get it, but I just didn't want to do it. So I realized that sports is what I wanted to do generally. Sure. There is heartbreak. Uh, but you hope you're around when there are victories and that really is what sort of inspires me and motivates me. So it was a long process and every step along the way was part of the reason I got to where I, I got. And, and still, even though there's no more steps regarding at this point where I'm going and what I'm doing, but the evolution continues. I haven't stopped trying to get better. You do, you, you know, you have the experience of understanding how to handle things because you've been through it a, a long time and, and over and over again, but there's always something new. And uh, when the lights are on and, and the camera's rolling, there's an inspiration there that uh, still is there and, and still some nerves. So I think as long as that continues, uh, I would love to continue doing what I'm doing for another, you know, I would roughly speaking 10 years, give or take a few. Uh, I, I joke that I'd like to retire when McDavid retires, but I, I think he might outlast me. I'm not sure of that, but we'll see how it goes. Well, you uh, you need to start asking his chef to make one more extra meal and then start uh, hanging around for his workouts and uh, get that longevity up, Gene, and maybe you'll uh, you'll last as long as Connor does. Yeah, yeah. I actually know his, uh, his chef. He's an Italian guy, Calabrese. He's from Calabria, and he's in Toronto. We've met up on... Uh, on many occasions, actually, his name's Andy. And yes, I, I agree. I, I, uh, it's funny. Some of the things I, I see these guys eat or maybe not eat. I'm just like, wow. And, and they really watch themselves. And that certainly has been an evolution, uh, that we speak of how things have changed, uh, over the, over the decades. And, and I, I think it, it also spills into real life, right? Uh, what we used to do, what we used to eat, uh, now we dissect, everything like a biology project in high school because well what's the fat content or the protein or the calories so uh they are a a, a machine these athletes and i give them nothing but respect for the time they spend on their their bodies which is is their livelihood yeah absolutely and and for what's at stake 
uh, versus back in the day. Um, there's really, you know, no other way to do it. If, if you're not willing to put the work in and be disciplined, somebody else out there will, and uh, they're going to reap the benefits of it. Well, for sure. And I, I've seen, uh, oh, countless uh, Oilers and, and other uh, athletes that I've covered that they literally, in this case, will say, get off the ice, uh, might do their post-game interviews or have a post-game protein shake and they're off lifting weights and doing sprints. And the, the program is is never ending. Gosh, I, you know, when you see Connor and it gets to be March, April, May, uh, you want to just throw him a meal, right? This guy <laughs> plays 25 minutes a game and plays hard. Uh, even though he, he makes it look easy, he's hard on himself and his expectations. We know the opponent is hard on him. So it, it, it's amazing. I, I'm curious, you know, to see what he weighs. Uh, I think Connor's in the 190s when the season starts, but I, I would say he's got to be in the 180s tops uh, come the end of the year just because he's just worn down from everything that he does. And then he rebuilds and replenishes, and there he is again in September ready to go, just like you know every Oiler, every NHLer, uh, every pro athlete that's got their season when it begins. They're, they're back to being bulked up, relatively speaking, and set to go. And, and as you alluded to, that is is unique and new in over the past you know number of probably decades um no different than than the role that you do i'm sure that the kind of when you made it got back to edmonton um you probably didn't envision your current role as as a, even probably existing in in the manner that it does let alone you know that's what you've been doing talk about what sports media kind of has evolved to and, and your role in it well i always joke with my friends at oilers tv uh, who do a wonderful job i said i always say that i'm well, i'm overqualified and underqualified you know you wouldn't uh, an oilers uh, website likely isn't looking for a 36 year veteran in his uh, mid pushing later uh 50s uh because they've probably got too much experience they don't need that and yet i, I see what they do uh, and the multitasking that goes on, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I want to learn that anymore. I have enough trouble just, you know, clicking on a Zoom link, to be honest with you. And uh, I've always got technical issues. And it was interesting during the pandemic, I did a bunch of Instagram lives and, and different things like that. And I had my daughter, uh, she was like my uh, technical uh, director because I just didn't really know what I was doing. And she helped me through so many of the... Uh, the challenges that I had and uh, it, it's evolved. Like I remember having a, a huge handbook that listed all the television stations uh, in Canada and listed, you know, the news director and their phone number and their mailing address. And you would put together the, you'd have almost like a Canada post scene out of the eighties where you'd have your yellow envelope, you'd have your resume, you'd have your VHS tape and you would, like an assembly line, you know, resume in, tape in, sealed, uh, labeled with address, off it goes. And I would, I would send, oh, probably 20 to 25 of those out on a yearly basis. <laughs> and now you get an email with a link and away you go and you watch everything that someone has done. And if you want to see more, you go to YouTube. But so it's, it's really amazing. I, I love it. Um, uh, we have an item called a DeGero, 
which uh, feeds off of uh, cell phone signal. And we send everything live uh, back to Sportsnet. We used to do a bunch of editing on laptops. And really now we just send everything in and I'll send a script in determining, okay, I want this comment at 20 minutes and five seconds. And the in is we are going to, and the LQ is, I don't see another way at 20 minutes and 30 seconds. And so you still kind of shot list everything that you do, but there's really no editing that gets all done uh, back in Toronto. And this DeGero has really, I, I know that there were changes over the, the decades, but this DeGero, which came in, I want to say eight to 10 years ago, and I could be off on that, has just like, it's amazing. Everything's live and you watch, you pick your team and they've played their game and, and the dressing room is open and you can go to that website. You can go to Sportsnet. You can go wherever you want to go and you're going to see live what's what's happening through this, uh, these things called a DeGero, which I still don't know how they work, but luckily my cameraman does. And so, yeah, from what we used to do, I mean, listen, uh, as you said, if you're not seeing things in minutes, forget hours, forget the next day. I mean, that's, that's history. That's long gone. So it's been wonderful. And, and I've sort of kept up enough, I guess. Uh, but some of the stuff definitely whizzes right over my head and I have no idea what's going on or what's happening. Well, that's, uh, it's interesting that, um, you, you guys are able to kind of make up for some of that by just, you know, being diligent about it and working your way through it. I, I had no idea all the the background information that went into some of that stuff. One of the one of the things I wanted to ask about is, I mean, we just this week, uh, Patrice Bergeron uh, retired, obviously uh, first ballot Hall of Famer and and um, an, an incredible hockey player. And of course, about two days after, I think it was coming out of Pittsburgh, there was some uh, sports radio host who had to, you know, talk about his uh, something about him that made him you know, that, that, that maybe he wasn't all he was cracked up to be. And there's just that in the sports media world. Um, in Canada, I think everyone pretty much attributes that to Toronto, right? The Toronto media, how are they, how are they going to make a Connor McDavid contract extension about Toronto or, <laughs> right. or Johnny Goudreau opting out and, uh, and going to Columbus? Um, how does this affect the Leafs? And, and it's, there's a lot of that, um, except when it comes to Gene Principe. It seems like everybody respects and loves the work that you do, the, the, wow. the angle that you've taken. Um, Sid Sixero, uh, who as near as I could find on the internet, net likes nothing. Um, <laughs> he's even on record as saying he loves what you do. And, and, uh, and I'm just curious, you know, obviously you don't go into things um, trying to be liked, but you're a person. So being liked is, is nice. Um, when you're doing your the way that you approach your 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 job um how much of that was just uh trying to set yourself apart uh your natural instinct your natural this is who i am and uh, how much of it was this is what i'm going to do this is how i'm going to approach my job to set myself apart so that i can maybe have a shot at some longevity yeah i think d all of the above i i think as as people, we evolve, and as a broadcaster, I evolved. Uh, I, you know, when I was back in 1987, I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. Uh, I was just trying to stay employed, I guess, which I'm still doing. But I, I didn't really 
kind of know what I was doing. It wasn't until 1990 when I was working in Lethbridge and I was, I was hosting the sports that I started to, to short, sort of show my, my own personality on TV and then slowly continued when I went to Winnipeg and then Toronto. And then it was funny, I was back in Edmonton and I hit a point in my life where uh, I was married at that point. My wife was having uh, our first and I don't know, one of my old bosses says, you seem so serious now. And I was then kind of inching into my thirties. Uh, uh, and, and it was, it seemed like, and I was like, you know what? He's right. I just, because now I'm in my thirties, I am married. I'm having a kid. Doesn't mean I have to stop being fun or stop trying to have fun. And so it kind of kickstarted me again. And I went, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's not sort of, you will get old naturally. So let's not pretend to get old uh, prematurely. And so I, I kind of realized that, yeah, let's have some fun. And I, I think, you know, I, I've always tried to have fun, but not make fun of certainly athletes, their families. Um, you, you know, the, the point of what I do is to, to laugh either at me or, or with me, uh, not at Connor McDavid or Leon Drysaddle or Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And so it's something that really developed after the Oilers run in 2006 when they went to Game 7 of the Cup Final and then Chris Pronger got traded and they had a really tough year the next year. And I, I always felt like, Gord, that I was, relatively speaking, the first piece person they see after they've come home, after they've had dinner, they flip on the TV and there's Gene Prince Bay. Okay, so what's this guy going to offer? What's this guy going to tell me? How's this guy going to make my day better, hopefully? And so I, I realized that with Oiler fans and so many sports fans, they, they, they know more than I do about the power play, the penalty kill, the analytics of, of what's happening and the, the winless streak or the losing streak. So I said, well, let's pick some positives. There's always some positives. And let's build off that. So that was kind of the premise of it. And then, okay, how can we also make this entertaining? As mentioned, the hockey games aren't once a week. They're multiple nights a week. There's so much out there. So how can we make it so somebody says, well, I got to watch you other game. Um, now it's easy because of McDavid and Tri-Saddle and the team. But there were some years there where it was a challenge. So I, I thought, well, let's, it's entertainment, right? There's lots on TV, so let's make this entertaining. So that's how the puns began, and that's how the props began. I always felt like, um, for me, I'm a visual guy, and I can talk about things, but I want to see it. And so it's like me talking about, well, Connor McDavid scored this great goal, and then I don't show it. So I thought, well, if I'm talking about something, I want to, I want to see it. Is it dry cleaning? Uh, is it a mannequin? Um, is it a hammer because they got nail Yakupov? Uh, is it a tailor because they got Taylor Hose working on my suit? Whatever, you know? So that was kind of the premise behind it. Now, just like a kid in class that talks too much, sometimes I got sent to the back of the room and told to stay quiet, but I'd always <laughs> find my way back to the front of the room talking again. And, you know, I really have to thank countless people that have helped me through the years decades um starting with Sportsnet, my bosses there onto the people that uh produce the games that that shoot the games that work beside me i've had so much help 
in doing what I do. I, I couldn't have done it all these years without uh, people buying in. Uh, we talk about teams buying in. I, I got staff that work with me that buy in and they help me and they find stuff. And I said, geez, I could use this. Okay, I'll go get it. I'll go look for it. I mean, it's been wonderful support. I, I definitely could not have done this myself. Far from it. It would have been a, a failure if I was doing it on my own. Uh, I've had so much help. And so, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the premise behind how I got to where I am uh, today. Now, as you know, Gord, uh, the world has changed and, and changes sometimes on a daily, monthly basis. So I used to just do stuff <laughs> that really didn't ask for permission. And now uh, I think uh, for the network's sake, for our broadcast's sake, for my sake, um, if there's something we think, well, we're not sure about this, let's take it to some levels. And if it goes to Toronto and lands on my executive producer's desk, then I think we already know the answer. Let's not do that because this might be something that, that could be considered offensive. So, and that's fine. You know, sure. There's a few times where I'm like, Oh, I would love to do that, but let's not do that because I don't think it's the right thing to do in this day and age. So, uh, I remember when Donald Trump, his inauguration, uh, ironically, uh, my son had dressed up as Donald Trump like uh, three weeks before that, two weeks before that for Halloween. So who had a Donald Trump mask laying around his place? I did. So who put it on? I did with like a red tie and a blue suit, and a white shirt. And, you know, uh, Edmonton trying to trump the wild uh, Camp Talbot building a wall, um, which in 2017, uh, was okay. I remember some guy in the New York uh, Daily News wrote a little article on it, and that was it. Well, you wouldn't do that now, and rightfully so. So uh, while things change, there's still enough creative license to do lots of stuff, um, which uh, beats out the odd thing that you don't do just because it shouldn't be done. Yeah, and I think um, as you become more comfortable in your skin, uh, you you understand why you can't do some of those things. You know, maybe uh, at the beginning when you're you're trying to kind of develop that, you, you want to take a chance a little bit. But as you know, you you've got a, a hit tape a, an hour long of of those puns and, and the work you've done. I uh, I actually before we were having the video trouble here today, I've. Uh, I've got my drill with me. I was going to start the podcast off and say, Gene, you know the drill and, and get going on it. <laughs> See, but, I love uh, that. No, no, there's a perfect example, uh, Gord. Like, so you're, you're, you know, you're on TV and you're talking about, you know, you know the drill. If you have a drill and you push it, I mean, that gets people's attention and they like that. Most of yeah. them, not everybody. I understand that. Uh, but I, I, I think it's great, you know, and, and I, I get people, you know, Ron McLean was a big inspiration for me because, you know, it's funny when you get younger listeners or viewers, they're like, oh, Ron McLean's uh, doing what Gene does. And I'm like, whoa, hang on a sec here. Uh, you know, Ron has done puns for a long, long time. So I hope that I can, uh, you know, motivate, inspire uh, future broadcasters in any way, shape or form. I'm at the point in my career now where I, I, I got the baton and I'm, I'm in my lane and uh, running and in some point in the near future, I'll be passing it on to the, to the next guy or gal who, who will be the host of the Oilers. You know, I, 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 it's just what we do. And the older you get, the more you want to give back 
and, and help those that are, are, are moving forward in not only my profession, but just in any profession. That's a great lead into to the next thing I wanted to ask you about. And this is, um, th- th- there's a part of this that pertains to the podcast as well, but most of this is just uh, my Oilers fandom. You, you're at that point in your career and in your life where, you know, a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Darnell Nurse, I mean, you were, you weren't contemporaries. You, you weren't the same age as them. You were older. These, these guys are, you know, at uh, maybe a little older than your kids. What's it like to watch somebody like Ryan Nugent Hopkins with so much fanfare coming in, who's clearly so good at what he does develop, you know, he's married, having all these different life events happening. You know him, like, I mean, you guys are, are friends and you're a journalist and you're covering this journey. What's like, what's that like? How do you kind of know when to ask the, 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 the question that you know you need to ask and, 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 or just be like, you know, Hey, how, uh, how's, uh, things how's this how's that what, what, yeah. like, what's that like especially for like you and Nuge have been together a long oh, time together yeah. now right yeah for sure you know I, I remember through those days when you know the gory years or the, the you just wanted to give the kid a hug yeah because it was such a such a tough time and you can see how hard he and so many of the Oilers were struggling you know giving their best doing what they could but they just were mismatched um and and so it is wonderfully neat to you know it's funny when you said you're their friend and you you know it, it's it's such a i don't want to say fine it's such a neat sort of scenario because you know i've spent a dozen years uh, around ryan and for sure we're we're friendly and we talk I think one of the things that I've always done away from the rink is really given people their space um, just because I'm always kind of in their space when they're at work. So, but you develop a, a, a certain, uh, you know, you get to, and, and, you know, you talk about age, you know, I, when I started, I, I was kind of the age of the players, older players, like 31 when I was hosting the Oilers, then you become the age of the parents. And now, you're, you're starting to inch towards possibly being the age of a grandparent uh, where, you know, every 18-year-old kid comes in and now they've got parents who are in their 40s and you're in your mid-50s. And so it, it, it's really neat evolution. And I've always tried to be kind and considerate and caring, um, not only with the player, but with their families who are sitting at home watching. And uh, in the old days, you know, a player wouldn't know till his post-game phone call or, or the next day, oh, you know, my wife told me you said this or uh, my dad said you said this. And now I get that, but it's, it's almost always positive because that's just the role that I have and the way I've decided to approach things. And so I hope that, you know, Ryan Nugent, I remember Dwayne Rolison when he was here and then left. And, uh, but before he left, new players would come in and, and Roley would always and I still stay in touch with Roley. Uh, he would always, if a new guy was here, he'd point to me. And this was very kind. He said, that guy there? He goes, you can trust that guy. You can trust that guy. And I thought, wow, what a, what a badge of honor that uh, an, an athlete would, would say that, not only believing it for himself, 
but willing to pass it on to the next generation of oilers. And I've always felt too that when someone comes to do an interview with me, that it isn't my right to have that interview, that it is a privilege to have it, and that when they leave, they're thinking, I would do that again, as opposed to, I'm never going to talk to that guy again. So it's been great. Listen, uh, my buddies joke that my questions are are like a slow pitch game, right? Uh, Underhand and go way up high and then land quite nicely at the plate, hopefully. And that's cool. There's lots of people out there who who ask the harder hitting questions. I, I think the one thing I've learned to do over the years, and this is a credit to the athletes that I cover. Listen, if player X has, has botched a play and it's led to a goal, he, he knows that. And I, I don't need to say, wow, what were you thinking when you gave up that puck? It was stolen off your stick. And then two seconds later, it's in the back of the net. Uh, all I need to say is, what happened on that play and he's going to, or she's going to be so honest. I can't believe I did that. I, I didn't see that player coming in. Next thing you know, it's off my stick. I feel terrible. They, they self-analyze. They don't need me to, to analyze their play. They can do it. And, and I think that's a real credit to the, to the pro athletes that uh, I've covered that they're as honest as the day is long in Alberta in July. There's no doubt that they're going to fess up. They're not going to try and hide. They don't need to. They don't want to. So it's been great to to become a part of these players' lives. And I mean, like, really small part. And just do the longevity. I, I It's not me particularly. It's just the person who happens to have my role, and it's had it for a long time, uh, that they uh, – they get to see you every day and, and hopefully they like you. And I think you hit the nail on the head. There's, there's journalists or people, they, I'm not saying they, they want to make enemies, but they feel like if that happens as part of their job, it, it just is what comes with the territory. I've always preferred to make friends instead of enemies. And uh, so it's, it's neat to do that. I mean, I don't, I don't text Ryan Nugent Hopkins at two in the morning or, uh, you know, any of these guys, I get phone numbers in the case of an emergency uh, regarding a trade or a, a move, a signing. But otherwise, I keep those numbers. I remember my kids are like, oh, you've got his number? You've got his number? Can I have it? I'm like, no, no, you can't have it. Uh, so <laughs> when they were young, you know, so I, I keep them close to me. Uh, I think one of the greatest moments in my life was when I got Wayne Gretzky's phone number. I was like, oh, my gosh, I got Wayne Gretzky's phone number. For me, that was um, – a lifetime achievement considering I grew up in the city. I watched him and his teams win those Stanley Cups, then turned around and covered him and then got a chance to meet him as uh, just Wayne Gretzky, uh, not the hockey player, the person. Uh, one of the kindest people. They call him the great one for more reasons than what he did on the ice. Just a, a true gentleman and, a, and a, a heck of a person. Well, Gene, I say this with all due respect, but I hope we never, ever see – an emergency so dire that you need to call Wayne Gretzky's cell number. <laughs> I, I hope so too. I think we're, <laughs> I think we're past that. I think we're past that. Yeah. But you know, it. you know, the people, people say, what's the best and worst part of the job. And I'd say, well, the best is, is the travel because you get to see so many places and the best is all the people that you, you meet, you see that you get to know, and the worst is the travel, you know, I missed out on a lot of things over the years uh, because I was away, but 
boy, this this profession has offered me a, a ton to me, to my family. Uh, it's been nothing short of wonderful. Yeah, and I can I can hear it in your voice. I mean, there's there's been some genuine excitement as you get to talk about some of the things that that your role in your career has allowed you to experience, and and I think that that's uh, that comes through in in the work that you do. People do feel like you're genuinely excited to be there on a on a Wednesday night as the uh, you know Minnesota Wilder in town. It might not be the, always the 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 marquee um, game, but um, there's you know. If there's 18,000 people at Rogers Center that night, um, for a third of those people, that might be the only game they get to go to this year, and and they are excited, and and yeah. you kind of bring that that kind of excitement to the broadcast, and and if you're a true Oilers fan, um, I think that's something that is appreciated because there can be some games in the you know um, the, the dog days of winter, I guess, where it's got to be tough to get up for, and and knowing that when you click on and and the, the announcers are going to be into it. It really makes it a little easier to, to decide that that's what you're going to spend the next couple hours doing. Yeah, it's very kind of you to say, and I'm lucky enough to work uh, currently with Louis DeBrusque and, uh, and Jack Michaels, uh, who are two of the best guys you'll ever meet, two wonderful broadcasters who get along great. And I love, sometimes I'm jealous that I kind of, I, I work with the panel as well during intermissions, but much of my work or a fair amount of it can, is done on my own, um, and when I hear them just getting along so great, I'm like, oh, I kind of miss that, that, that partnership that they have, but we were able to connect, uh, before morning skates, afternoons, evenings, off days. So yeah, you know what I, and I love the fans, uh, the fans are so kind and, and I always feel like one of the reasons I'm where I'm at, um, and, and continue to be where I'm at are the people uh, who support you, who say nice things, who want a picture, uh, who have a pun to pass along, who, who say that, you know, oh, you know, my cousin's sister's brother, uh, you know, whatever it is. I, and, and especially the kids. Um, I, I think that, uh, the older you get, you want to make memories and moments for kids. And, and, uh, and, uh, unfortunately, especially when they're not doing too well and, and they may be ill, uh, fighting a disease, you you gotta you gotta dig in and and make sure that it does not matter what's going on in your day. Uh, it's about a ninety nine percent chance it's not worse than what they're going through. So uh, you make sure that when they leave that rink or if they see you out in public, that they leave with a a smile and a feeling like that guy cares about us and wants to spend time with us. And and it's true. I, uh, I, I know sometimes people, like we will have events and, you know, it's a picture opportunity and you want to find out more about people in the organizers say, they got to go. Like you can't, can't sit, talk to everybody because, because there's people waiting. Right. So, um, it, it's, it's great. Uh, I'm blessed. Uh, when my kids were young, they'd say, dad, how does that guy know you? How does she know you? You know? And I'm like, well, and then they figured out, oh, they know you from TV. So uh, people are wonderful. People like you, Gord, that uh, just give back and, and are supportive. And uh, I'm happy to do this as long as I can. And then I'll be on the other side of it whenever uh, that is. And I'll just be watching the next Gene Principe, uh, whoever it might be. That's uh, that's a great, healthy outlook. Um, I just um, I wonder how you know, uh, the, as that day progr uh, approaches, is that something, do you think that 
you're gonna know is is approaching or like so many people in your business where they find out you know kind of by surprise that that's coming and and the 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 mental health aspect of that like now that you're kind of in into your career you you have to be aware of that is there you know how do how do you manage that where where some of that stuff might not be as much in your control as you'd want to be yeah some of the stuff that goes on is shocking there's no doubt about it and i've had it happen to many uh many of my friends many of my colleagues and uh you know you you are there to support them and and not just the first week or the first month right it's that's easy when something like that happens to somebody but can you continue to to be there for them and i i certainly strive to do that because i can just imagine uh what it's like i think gord uh i'm i'm reaching i'm not sure i'm there but i i i'm reaching a point that i i hope i'm able to go out on my own terms and i feel like my life will dictate what happens with my work my kids hopefully getting married hopefully having kids being a grandfather um pushing forward with that part of my life will end up leading me to a point where i say you know what i I think i've been on enough planes i think i've been in enough rinks i think i've been in enough hotels and i still love this uh but there's something else waiting uh there for me uh to do on a more full-time basis i hope it happens like that the other option is someone taps me on the shoulder sends me an email gives me a text sends me a call uh and says hey it's time and and i hope don't get me wrong if if and when it happens i'll be shocked i'll be hurt i'll be disappointed i'll probably be a bit mad but i think uh the underlying approach that i hope i'll have is that i'll be thankful for what i had for what i did for what i saw for who i met and not for what i'm no longer doing i hope i'll be that guy gord i i don't know if i will be and if i am whether that'll take a week a month a year but that's the way I would like to approach uh, the end of it all. Yeah, gratitude is never, uh, nobody ever says, I expressed too much gratitude at that point in my life. So I think that's the the balance where you can can understand the what you can be grateful for while being disappointed about, um, you know, X, Y, or Z out of the situation. Uh, one of the things I like to end the podcast with and, and we've taken up a bunch of your time here today and, and I'm grateful for that but you know as people's careers evolve and the businesses that they're in change um, there's always a, a, a kind of a nebulous vision of success what is success when you're younger it might might be a job it might be a, a salary and as you get older you know you want to be more fulfilled this you, you might give up um, a location for for proximity to something else and i'm curious throughout your career uh what what has been the drivers of your vision of success and and what does success look like to you now yeah certainly when i started success like i had i had sort of set goals for myself uh that were matched by ages i wanted to be here at a certain age i wanted to be here at a certain age and i remember i wanted to be in toronto working by 25. uh i got there at 28 and uh then my next goal was to work in the u.s i always wanted to work in the u.s and i i dabbled a bit in in looking for work there and had uh i wouldn't say solid job offers but some possible opportunities 
And at the same time, I got an opportunity to move home back in 1998. And I thought, I would regret this the rest of my life if I didn't move home. I remember my parents going, are you sure about this? Like you're working in Toronto and you're going to move back to Edmonton. Uh, as much as they want to be back, uh, they were kind of like, oh, we're not sure. And I said, no, no, I'm sure about this. And ironically, my wife was pregnant with her first kid and, and it all just it all just fell into place. Um, and and I think that while my career is still hugely important, I think the impact my career has become more important to me. It's not just what I'm doing and where I'm going and what I'm covering. It's how does it affect other people? Immediately, it would be my family. How does it affect them? And then how does it impact people who I don't know? You know, how often do I get, and I love this, oh, I feel like I already know you. And I'm like, wow, is there a bigger compliment than that when they haven't even met you, but they feel like they know you because they've heard about you or they've seen you or they have talked to someone who knows you. And so success has, you know, in the in the dictionary success, the definition never changes. But in life, it changes all the time. And what you want when you're 20 is different than 30, is different than 40, 50, and now as an inch closer uh, to 60, which is a bit scary. Uh, for me, success is just being really good at what I do and continuing to pour my heart and soul into it and continuing to, to kind of not change lives because I'm, I'm not a doctor, uh, but just impacting them in a positive way, even if it's just because of a prop or wearing a hot dog suit, uh, you know, or dressing up as a German because... Leon had a hat trick and wearing lederhosen or whatever it is, whatever it is. Um, I, I just, you know, well, you want to make people happy and make them remember you. And when they do that, they'll smile when they do it. Well, that was a super fun podcast. I, uh, I, I sat down with uh, Gene. I was at the lake. I, I had to go to my buddy's house and, and use the, the good Wi-Fi to make sure it wasn't going to drop out. And I sat there for it with, uh, for an hour with Gene and just visited talk hockey uh, couldn't have been more accommodating. Um, I got him to, I asked him if he'd mind shouting out some buddies that are in an Oilers group chat and, and he took their names and, and he created a little, uh, video for the boys that would fit right in on some of his Oilers podcasts, uh, with his puns and whatnot. And, uh, just everything you think Gene Principe is when you see him on TV, I can tell you for sure. That's what he is. He's that guy. And, and that's the best part when you meet somebody like that finding out that he is that guy that's that's so gratifying just another incredible pod we just can't believe people respond to our queries when we when we reach out and ask if they want to come on um gene being on is is just a dream come true so we just want to make sure that everyone knows we're we're still pushing these ones out there we want everyone to listen uh, pass it along if you if you love it pass it to people that you think might if you if you don't and like i said uh, a couple episodes ago you know we are you know flirting with that thousand monthly listeners that's a number that we obviously never thought in a million years we'd ever achieve and it's really cool to be there that's uh that's something that you know is just a lot of fun to think that this little passion project got us to that point so as we say there are no wrong answers there is no test at the end make the most out of every day the second act podcast would like to thank ben sound for the intro and outro music happy rock we would also like to thank you for listening if you enjoyed the podcast please like subscribe and give us any feedback you can thanks for listening